Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. What's up, everyone? We are Amanda List tonight, which means it's us, Nick and Ryan, manning down the fort once again. Um, you can follow us at DC Natchak, follow the show at Half Street High Heat, and follow Amanda at AY7877. And uh, while I'm doing the spiel, be sure to follow Montgomery Davis Taylor. Uh, for all of the Half Street High Heat writing Ooh. at M. Davis Taylor and follow our newest team member edition, OPT One Pursuit Takes at One Pursuit Takes. He's going to be in addition with me, manning the Half Street High Heat Twitter, put a, link, a lot of good content out there. So happy to have him aboard. Welcome, OPT. Uh, but I am joined with by my day one, uh, Ryan. How you doing, bud? Well, I just saw this picture of this really sweet old lady at a Flyers game by herself because her friends didn't show up. And now the gritty depressed. puncher. <laughs> no, gritty only punches little kids. Ah, ah, gotcha. Old ladies. That's where we draw the line. But yeah. little kids, fair game. I can see that. I can see that. Oh man, but I almost like don't want to get into the weekend review because it's like the thing we've been talking about for the past like six months. It feels like, but yeah. it's also anytime anyone speaks, it's something that has to be talked about because it's something new. It's just so um, bad. It, it is bad, and like I don't understand how no one has the wherewithal to say something to make it better because you could <laughs> easily, as you tweeted on NatCheck, 
all it takes is like a sincere apology and admit what you did wrong and we can move on but no one, no one wants to do that <laughs> yeah so i'll just dive on into the week in review it was a very very busy week um we start off that mlb and minor league baseball did announce that they're raising the weekly minimum salary for minor league players it is not much but it is a start um, little leagues in California are removing their license with the Astros name. They do not want little kids playing for teams to learn that cheating is okay. A woman is suing Brett Garner for making sexual signals to her on the field. The lady claims that Garner is her future husband and that he thrust his hips to signal sexual intercourse with her. Brett Garner has filed a restraining order against the lady, and the Yankees are working on banning her from every single game, as well as Yankee facilities, and are making sure that Gardner's family is staying safe during this. It's bonkers. And then we get a great keeping up with the Mets, because I forgot about one of these stories. Um, the Wilpons agreed, in principle, to sell the team. The deal fell through when the Wilpons at the very last minute changed the deal, and now the Wilpons are not selling the team. Zach Wheeler said he was not surprised when the Mets did not reach out to him to offer a deal. Wheeler said that in the presser, that's how they are as an organization. Mets current GM BVW took offense to this statement, and he said, I was disappointed when I heard these comments, especially since we helped Zach turn two good half-seasons and do $118 million. Sheesh. Shots fired. And then the story that just does not go away. The Astros are running a clinic on how to not handle a PR disaster. During the press conference, Bregman and Altuve read pre-written statements. Apologizing. Fine. Then Crane started talking and just completely set himself on fire. He notoriously said that the cheating had no impact on the game and that they were not apologizing for breaking the rules or for cheating. They're basically apologizing because they got caught. His comments made Cody Bellinger take explosive shots at the Astros. Carlos Correa clapped back telling Bellinger to shut the F up. Classy guy. And then he also took a shot at Kurt Suzuki, which numerous, numerous players stepped in on. Dusty Baker has urged the league to step in to protect his players because he knows the inevitable is coming. It's going to be beanball every single day. Embrace it. Um, Rob Manfred holds a press conference. That was an utter disaster. We'll get there in a little bit. I have some talking points from that. And then Mike Trout, Cody Bellinger, Aaron Judge, and many other Major League Baseball players have taken shots at Manfred publicly for how he's handling this uh, cheating scandal. You think it's a problem when three of your biggest stars are shaming you? Well, it just took a whole another level because LeBron James just completely went at Manfred for his handling of this, saying he needs the ball is in his court and he needs to step in and fix this. LeBron joins a long list of NFL, NBA, and NHL players who have spoken out against Manfred, as well as Mark Cuban and Bernie Sanders. This has gone batshit crazy, and I love it. And that is a wild week in review. Yeah, it's probably a good... We've talked so much negative about the Astros and what it means for baseball and all the stuff. It's probably a good time to, one, not beat a dead horse, but also like reiterate that this is, in a very twisted and convoluted way, good for baseball. I mean, the fact that it is... 
I mean, spring training just started, but we've been able to talk consistent baseball. Not only just us, a baseball podcast, but all of the sports community has been able mm-hmm. to talk baseball the entire offseason. That is a good thing. Yes, it's not in the manner which we would have liked, uh, but, I mean, it, it, it's a start. Like, it, it's a way to draw attention. Um, I mean, controversies like these happen in sports. Like, there's been a team in every single sport that's been guilty of cheating in one facet or another at some point in time, and we just happen to be uh, in the middle of – not even in the middle, in the beginning of one of the worst – Oh, this is just getting started. In sports. <laughs> yeah, it, it just we just so happen to be in the middle of that. So while I know we're getting tired of talking about it, um, it's a story that – will not die and it needs to be talked about just because yeah these don't happen all that often and i mean <laughs> with everything that said there's definitely more and more to talk about which is just insane to me like how do you not just put out a fire well it's like it's not going to go away because the black Sox scandal happened a hundred years ago and we still talk about it yeah and if you look at the astros schedule every single month they have a road series against a player or a team that they screwed over like this isn't going away. This is only beginning, and it's going to hit its peak when they play their four-game series in Yankee Stadium. Like, Yankee fans made of Zach Granke for being depressed. Like, no, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what they're going to do now because they are pissed off. And then Manfred, he had his two press conferences, and I wrote some, like, <laughs> little little notes down. So his first one was just a complete disaster. He uh, called the World Series trophy just a piece of metal. He didn't see the value in taking it away. He said multiple times he can't be 100% certain that the Astros did not use buzzers in 2019. He said the public perception is a punishment. He said you can look on the Astros' faces and see that they're hurting. Um, He said he didn't think he could take the title away because that's never been done before and there really isn't a precedent. Wasn't sure if this was the time. Not really sure when the time would be, you know, whatever. Um, He said the players taking shots at each other makes him sick. Um, literally 30 seconds later, he yelled at a reporter during that same press conference. So that was pretty funny. Um, he admitted to knowing that the Astros cheated before this went public. And then he said the Orioles have a bright future. That was the weirdest part. Um, but my favorite thing, and like, I know the second press conference was scheduled, but it's so funny that like LeBron James makes a comment, and then 30 minutes later, Robert Manfred is apologizing and finally doing what he should have done the first time. He apologized, said he handled this poorly. Um, he diminished the value of the World Series trophy, trophy, and he said that like the MLBPA wasn't going to allow the Astro players to testify without immunity. Don't know why he's saying this now, but shout out to LeBron for uh, getting us some helpful answers. Yeah, it's... So I don't even think it's a take. I think Rob Manfred completely showed his He's an hand. idiot. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Like the fact that you call the World Series trophy a piece of metal. Like I, I, I saw this on Twitter, so I can't take credit for it. But imagine if Gary Bettman, who's the NHL commissioner, called Lord Stanley's Cup a piece of metal. Like <laughs> that dude would be crucified. Like probably legitimately crucified, especially <clears throat> like what hockey means to people in Canada and, and stuff like that. He would be crucified. So the fact that Rob Manfred basically got away with calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal is just absurd. You're the head of baseball, and you're just calling what everyone's playing for a piece of metal is just such a poor, poor look. 
Um, but back to my the point before, like how everyone's still talking about baseball. Yeah, you have LeBron James, who's arguably the biggest and most recognizable athlete in the entire world. Speaking, it's like on him and Ronaldo. Issues. Yeah, the <laughs> the issues going on in baseball. Yeah, like it shouldn't come to that point, but there is a silver lining there. I mean, you LeBron James. So we have our answer now. It takes LeBron James within speak, speaking of on the baseball issues to get Rob Manfred to do something remote. But the best, correct. the best part about LeBron speaking on it is within seconds there's an ESPN update. Bleacher Report posted it. ESPN posted it. Yahoo posted it. Everyone posted about it, and so like I feel like that kind of forced Manfred's hand a little bit too because I feel like. LeBron probably has about 20 million uh, followers on Twitter, and, like, everyone knows who he is. And so I feel like we kind of saw Manfred who realizes that, hey, you know, my job may be on the line here because I've been commissioner for five years. Two of those years, a team cheated to win the World Series. He did nothing about it. At least. Yeah, that we know of. Um, And he banned the GM for life for just paying prospects a little bit more than, like, the allocated amount and also lost all 13 of those prospects. So that was a big deal. And the man's worried about, like, automated umpires. So, I mean, the guy's just been an idiot. And so I really hope that's just, just a huge wake-up call for him. Like, hey, uh, I may have to start changing some things or they're going to get rid of me. Because Fire uh, Manfred I, was trending worldwide. I, I hope he does get fired just because he is handled. If a, a commissioner is too strict, that's one thing. Like, Good you, you You would take that over most things. If a commissioner is too lenient, that's another. I mean, it's sort of to to kind of like a bastardized extent, like let the kids play type deal. But then you get someone like Rob Manfred, who is strict when he wants to be, lenient when he wants to be, but says something that never makes sense to anyone. Like anything he said on the Astros scandal hasn't made sense. Like someone asked uh manfred if he could say there was buzzers he said uh we cannot confirm that there were buzzers no and i was like then like There's what they, <laughs> like, like are, are you kidding me? Was buzzers. he just but, doesn't like, want a new disaster oh uh, it, it, it's insane like it, it's just so insane so yeah i hope he's gone uh i mean it's just it, it's crazy and like you haven't seen a single player outside of the Astros organization currently defend the Astros. Every oh, player mad. that's spoken out, even Mike Trout, who's been like branded as unmarketable, has come out and absolutely killed the Astros. He didn't take it easy and give like oh, a PR response. He killed <laughs> the, the Astros and Manfred. So it's like everyone is against the commissioner, not like Godell. Like, everyone's against him for obvious reasons, but everyone is literally against Manfred, and, like, it's an actual fight. So it, it's it's just insane, and I also think it's funny how the only Astros players actively, like, apologizing are people like Marwin Gonzalez, who's on the Twins, Jake Marisnik, <laughs> who's on the Mets, Will Harris, even, who's on the Nats now. Like, they're the only ones, like, giving sincere apologies but anyone still on the Astros? No, we're underdogs. People are writing us off, like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what? The Astros playing victim card is one of the most wild <laughs> events, twists, plot twists of this entire entire thing. But the funniest thing is Carlos Correa was like, we didn't cheat in 2017. You don't know the facts. Shut the F up. 
Rob Manfred literally said today that the Astros cheated throughout the entire playoffs. So, like, again, look, Cray lied. That's all what the Astros players are doing. But, the like, it just – Manfred makes no sense. Like, the dude is such a baboon. Like, I just understand how you can botch this so much. And then the fact that, like, you're going to start issuing statements about warning teams for retaliating. Again, you're protecting them. And all hell is going to break loose because they are – going to get thrown at, I guarantee you as soon as opening day, and the pitcher's going to get suspended for it, and hell is going to break loose amongst the players. Because this entire league is pissed off at them, and they are going to, everyone's going to throw at them. Like, we all know that. And the players are going to get suspended more for it than any of the Astros players did to cheat to win the World Series. And it's going to get ugly. And I'm a little excited for it, because that drama's going to be amazing. It, it, it's it's so twisted, but it is good for baseball in a way. Like, oh, you're, the Astros, in their own way, have brought baseball together, <laughs> and even people outside of baseball, because now we're all rooting against the Astros. Like, it's it's not. Uh, yeah, we're still fans of our individual teams, but we're also anti-Astros at this point. Just, That's the just, funny thing. Like, yeah, when was the last time that the Yankees weren't the most hated team in baseball? I, I I don't know. Like I, like I can't tell you because especially after all those like people hate the Warriors now because of the run they went on. The Yankees' run was even more dominant and spanned even longer than what the Warriors are doing in the NBA. So it's like they've always been the most hated team. So it takes it, it had to take something on this magnitude to be the most hated team. But the Astros said, I, "Hold my beer." <laughs> I'm excited for this because you got all this drama. Everyone hates them. Um, also, the fact they got some big superstars going around, some new up-and-coming teams. Like, it's probably going to be a pretty good year for baseball. And I bet you they've had a conversation in the front office somewhere where, like, well, maybe this will fix our uh, this will fix our attendance problem because everyone's going to go see the Astros on the road and just go nuts when their team hits them. So, like, I don't know. This is great for baseball. Yeah. So. We'll see. I mean, we'll just wrap it up um, by saying, like, the point you just said, like, baseball's pissed. Uh, Non-Astros baseball is pissed, I should say. Um, And they're going to want the retaliation because they certainly didn't get it from the commissioner's office. Um, They don't feel justice was served, so they're going to take justice into their own hands, Batman style. Um, So uh, they are on, they're officially vigilantes, if you will. And they're going to go after the Astros, and I am here for it. I am here for it. Um, all right. But now we're shifting gears a little bit. Um, Amanda did an interview with Alex Chappell from Masson. You you see her, um, and you see her on Twitter. They talked for about half an hour, uh, all things baseball, just a little girl talk. So, uh and actually, perfect timing because we saw the ladies of Nationals Twitter uh, start up. So this one's for you, ladies. Um, but enjoy the interview, and we will catch you on the flip side. Hey, everybody. We are joined by Masson's own Alex Chapel. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. We really appreciate it. Amanda, thank you so much for talking with me today. This is great. Thanks for yes, having me on. We're very excited, and we appreciate it. Um, you can follow Alex if you don't already. You should. Um, she's on Twitter at Alex Chapel. It's A-L-E-X-C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, right? 
make sure yes. I've got it correctly spelled. And the same thing on Instagram, <laughs> but with a 10 at the end. So Alex Chapel one zero. So make sure you guys give her a follow. So baseball, finally again, and this time the best, the best spring training ever because our Nats are World Series champs. Finally, yes, super excited, and I think that was something that was really cool. Davey Martinez addressing his team and talking with the media about is that when you win, there's that carryover, and the taste for them is just so fresh, right? So they, they're fired up, they're ready to go, and the message for them stays the same, you know, take care of today. They're not going to win all 162 games, so just take care of today and focus on the now. Yeah, that's great advice. Although if they could not fall to 19 and 31 again this year and give us all a heart attack, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so for everybody, I know everybody who listens to our podcast, obviously are Nats fans because we're a Nats podcast. But um, for those of them who don't know you outside of the broadcast, you grew up here in the area, right? I did, yes, and, and go Nationals, but uh, I, I'm from Cabin John, Maryland, and I went to Walt Whitman High School over in Bethesda. Um, I went away for college. I went to the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, and that's where I started sports journalism and covering the football team down there, and then eventually it was basketball team, baseball team, and that's how I really got my start into sports journalism. But this area was always, you know, when the Nationals came to town, just a huge Nats fan. And um, growing up, we were Red Sox fans. My dad was a left-handed pitcher in the Sox organization. He uh, played minor league baseball, AAA baseball for the Pawtucket Red Sox. So oh, I used cool. to say I always would have, yeah, no, he's, you know, we, it's funny, they say diamonds are a girl's best friend, and for our family, it was baseball diamonds, right? We just, <laughs> we, we loved it because of our dad, and um, they, he, he instilled just at an early age, we we're all baseball fans, so it was, you know, we felt like we had our American League team with the Boston Red Sox, and then when the Nationals came to town, it was our National League team. Well, that is fantastic. So you went to Alabama, obviously a big college football school, um, and you did a lot of college football journalism before you started doing baseball, didn't you? Yes. So prior to covering the Nationals for Masson, I was a one-person band reporter. I started out down in Alabama working for the CBS affiliate. So shooting, editing, writing, um, producing, just everything. Your hands are in everything in that role. And then... Um, I went up to Boston for three years and covered all the major sports teams up there. And from my time in local news, uh, I had the opportunity to cover college football as a sideline reporter for ESPN. And that was such an amazing experience. You're traveling the country and uh, you're covering huge different programs and uh, different conferences and getting an opportunity. I mean, I can tell you, I don't think I maybe would have visited Boise, Idaho, right? And from going there, <laughs> I totally fell in love with it. Huge fan now of the blue turf, and uh, Boise State is such a special place. And so things like that, you know, that you wouldn't expect to go or have an opportunity to cover teams, and you realize how many just people are fanatics, right? And I was probably one of those people I would tell you, no, it's only SEC football. That's the best. But you're wrong there. I mean, it's across the whole country. I mean, people just love, love college football. 
That is super fun. I'm sure that it was really enjoyable, especially since you had gone to a school that had it has such a storied program there that getting to travel the country and experience that must have been something else. And now, of course, you get to travel the country and visit all the baseball stadiums. Yes, which I feel so lucky to get to do. And last year when we were in San Francisco, I, that was all 30 uh, Major League Baseball parks for me. So that was really, really oh. special. And, um, oh, my gosh, I mean, from the ones that are historical, whether, you know, it's Wrigley or Fenway Park, and then you have newer ballparks like Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, it would be interesting and, this year when we go to Texas and see where the Rangers are playing. Now they'll play inside. But it's just, it, yeah, you pinch yourself. You can't believe that you've, get, you've had the chance to be at all these different places. And, um, no, and there's some that you're like, you know, they could really use a remake. But, <laughs> but it's, it's always great to visit different places. No. Yeah, that's great. So I'm sure this year, or last year I should say now, because the new season has started, um, you got to cover the Nats on their miraculous postseason run. But that wasn't your first postseason coverage. Did you cover the 2017 postseason? Yes. I so, read somewhere um, that you did. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah, a couple years ago I had worked for a TBS, and I was one of the reporters covering So they alternate with Fox every year who – whether they do American League or National League. And so I was an American League reporter. The games were on CBS at the time two years ago in 2017 for National League series. So I would do, um, I guess, you know, different packages or stories on the other games that were happening. And so this was my first year having the opportunity to be the on-field reporter and working with CBS. And I, that is... You know, I'm probably biased just because I was there, right? But that series against the Dodgers, they get to cover the Nationals. And actually, there was a part of me that was really surprised that they had me cover that National League Division Series. I I really thought maybe I would go cover the uh, Cardinals and Braves Series just because, right, you try not to be biased in those situations. And <laughs> I definitely did the best I could. I made sure I was wearing black every broadcast and... Um, but that last game at Dodger Stadium when, and the Dodgers, of course, were leading late in that one, and I just didn't, you know, you, you're like, okay, maybe the Nats aren't going to come back here, and I'm prepping myself for trying to be happy, right, that the Dodgers are going to win and, and get ready for that um, post-game interview. And then Howie Kendrick, right? I mean, it's oh. Rendon, Soto, and Howie Kendrick. In that place, you could have heard, a pin drop and I could just feel my face I'm cheesing right from ear to ear and I couldn't believe it that was it was an incredible moment and um, and having the chance to interview Howie post game you know it's, it's pure joy and you just you can't believe you feel so lucky that you get to be there for moments like that yeah, I can imagine. I wish I had been there. Actually, Nick, who's one of the co-hosts who wasn't able to join us for the interview tonight, um, actually was there. He was out in California for work and had the oh, opportunity wow. to go. So he was actually there for the game. And yeah, he uh, he he's described it for us. And 
even just hearing about it, I can't stop cheesing. It just thinking about it again. It was <laughs> such an amazing moment. We were all you, you may have been wearing black, but we know you were wearing red on the inside. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You know your heart is red, right? So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that was an amazing what's funny, I saw a poll on Twitter in the last couple of days somebody asked like what were the biggest what's the biggest hit in the history of you know, the Nationals, and the obvious answer, of course, is Howie's home run in Game 7 of the World Series to win the whole thing, but that one at Dodger Stadium, that Grand Slam at Dodger Stadium, was almost, had almost as many votes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, and, and you wonder, too, well, gosh, that wild card game, the way they won with Soda. <sighs> I was at that one. And then, <laughs> yes, and that was just electric, and so it, it each, I guess, each game, each series, you felt like there was... It was cool to see so many different players contributing and coming through in such huge moments, and that was something down the stretch, right, that the Nats kept doing. It was those timely hits that we were all like, wow. But that series against the Dodgers, you just felt like they slayed the beast and nothing nothing was going to stop them. Yeah, it did. It was amazing. That was an amazing one. So you covered that one last year. And in 20, did you cover the – you said you were doing American League. Did you cover the Astros? during the, the no. postseason run? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, gosh. It's only two years ago, and I forgot. I did. I covered <laughs> the Astros series against the Boston Red Sox. So, wow, yes. I uh, Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I, that was – wow. And now what a day that we're talking about the Astros. Yes. I, I know. Covered, that. Um, uh, it's a good them. segue <laughs> into yeah. what's going on now because you covered that series. You covered the Astros when they beat your Red Sox, since you guys are obviously Red Sox fans. Um, <laughs> So what's that? What? Are, how are you feeling about that now, having been there for that? And you know, just I know you're not down in Florida yet, but I just keep thinking how odd it must be at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches with the World Champion Nationals on one side doing their happy thing, and the Astros are kind of a, a train wreck over on the other side of the stadium. Right. I think um, you know I saw on social media today. So we'll head down Mass, and we'll be down next week. But today um, was a big media day for the Astros they held their press conference and um, you know as you pointed out you here you are you have the World Series champions on one side and probably you know if you're talking Cubs Red Sox if the Yankees win it this year right that spring training it's packed jam-packed with media I mean they're the World Series champions but because of all the news going on for Houston um, it was a very small and light contingency of media on the Nat side apparently and then on the Astros side it was just jam-packed everyone is there local media national media um, even some morning news broadcast and so it's um you know I think something and Amanda you bring up that I covered them playing the Red Sox I remember Chris Sale got lit up in the first game of uh, the ALDS and um, you know you wonder how much impact, I'm sure he's scratching his head, right? Like, mm -hmm. what happened? And, and that was something that Sean Doolittle reflected on. I think he talked about it today, how as a pitcher, you walk off the mound and you're so perplexed how that could have happened. And then also when you look at the win-loss record for your team or how you let a team down and mentally, that's just what hurts these players so much. I think, you know, Absolutely. it's, it's they cross a moral line, and that's what everybody keeps talking about. And I think if you go back 
to when baseball first started being played. It's no secret, right? Guys, players, teams, you're always trying to steal signs. It's something that's gone on forever, but it's when you involve technology and the way it was happening and things that are happening, that just wasn't, that's not what it's supposed to be like, right? And when you hear about the banging of the trash cans and possibly wearing the, the buzzing on their chest, I mean, that's where it's too much, right? It, that takes away from when they say, okay, guys will try to steal a sign. That's not part of the game anymore. It's a different level of cheating, and you've hurt so many people this way. So it's interesting, you know, it, it seems like maybe Major League Baseball wanted to, who knows what other teams might have been involved with this, and, um, you know, certain things have come out about other ball clubs, but um, it seems like they've tried to, right, keep it, I don't know, closed as far as you're focused on the Astros. We've heard news come out about the Red Sox, the 2018 team, and then there's been a lot of stuff that maybe the Yankees were involved with something. But I don't know how much more is going to keep coming out. Are we going to have more, or does Major League Baseball try to temper it a bit? Because it's not good for the game. And that was something that was really surprising to me today, that when the Astros came out and said, well, we don't think it impacted the game. How could they say that, right? This is a then huge, why would you do it impact. if it didn't impact right. the game? That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, then what was the purpose of it if it wasn't going to impact the game? Exactly. And there's also the, exactly. the dichotomy of the, you know, the report came out from the, from MLB saying it was this was a player-driven scheme, and then you have the Astros owner coming out and saying the players were, you know, failed by their leadership. And I'm going, how do you, how do you, that circle I don't understand how it's almost like every time they talk they make it worse right no that's so true and you feel bad that in the report that come that came out that Carlos Beltran was one of the only players directly named um, and so he lost his job over it with the Mets but uh, before they had even played a game but they did they've um, were we're probably not going to know much more than that, what other players were directly involved with it. And I, I can't help but think, and I'm sure everyone else does too, that you know the Nationals won the World Series against them last year, but what if they hadn't? What if they had lost the World Series? I can't imagine how much worse this would be if they had just won the World Series and this huge scandal broke. So I, I feel like they probably were still cheating right up through the World Series last year. Obviously, Major League Baseball clearly doesn't want any more to come out. I think they just want us to focus on something else, and the season is starting, and they right. don't want more because, as you said, this is not good press for the game. But it doesn't no, seem like it's and, going and, anywhere. But you said it, and that's what's so cool about the Nats, and it speaks to the – it, just the players they have there, too. I mean, they crossed their T's, dotted their I's. They were prepared as possible. I think Scherzer talked about he knew that technology was out there. He's constantly changing his signs. I think it was in the post-game press conference with Tom Verducci or on-field interview that Strasburg said he felt like he was tipping his pitches and giving something away, and so he quickly adjusted. And I, I think that was super cool. And um, they just talked about how much preparation. I know Patrick Corbin in his media um, meeting with at spring training or media scrum at his locker, and he just said they didn't know the extent of what was going on, right? But they had some sort of um, preparation. They had some sort of awareness about it, and they were just so prepared for it. And uh, so props to the Nats. I mean, it's 
that's 10 times harder. you got to believe to win a series like that, and, and they did it. Yeah, it feels very unfair, as you pointed out, about how the media are so focused on the, the Astros, and you have the world champion Nationals, who not only went on an absolutely historic postseason run to even get to that World Series, but then beat a team that was stealing signs you know, through incredibly diligent preparation. And nobody's talking about the Nats, and everybody's talking about the Astros. <laughs> Which you know what is probably how they like to keep it, right? They're they they're onto do. their business, uh, yeah, onto the season, and uh, no, we're excited. It'll be, uh, we just cannot wait for the ring ceremony and opening day at Nats Park. It's gonna. Oh, be I can't thrilling. wait. Yeah. Oh, I'll be there. I cannot <laughs> wait. We've got season tickets, so we will be there for that whole championship week. I am so excited for it. So awesome. speaking of their clubhouse, what's it like there? Um, are you hearing from the people you know who were down there? Is it There was a lot made last year of how much more relaxed they became, how, you know, they've always had a reputation as being kind of tight, being kind of, um, you know, not the loosest clubhouse. And then, you know, after her art of Park came and, you know, as the season went on with all the dancing and the dugout and all of that, they, they kind of chilled out and relaxed. Does, is that carrying over? Is it a more relaxed feeling down there? Yes, so I, um, you know, obviously I was not in around their clubhouse prior to last season, um, so I can't speak to what it, what was it like there prior. Um, but I know last year what was really cool is when we were in Miami, um, one of the so one of the coaches on the visiting team for the Marlins went up, I guess, to a couple guys on the Nat side. And they said, you know, you've got a really good team this year. And I think one of the players said something like, what do you mean? We always have a good team. And he's like, no, the dynamic of your team is just different than we've ever seen before. You have, they were basically saying they were kind of just an awe and envious in a nice way, right, of what a great mm -hmm. group they had and how close they all were. It was just so clear and how much fun. And it was organic, right? Nothing was staged or fake. I mean, this was just who they were and having fun. And um, so I think it was really sweet at Winterfest, Annabelle Sanchez said he's going to miss his best friend, Gerardo Parra, right? I mean, you don't just fill a void for somebody like that. He's, he's electric. His personality is infectious. But I think when you look at the core of the group that's there, how close they are, it's really cool. And they're just they're close, they support each other on and off the field, and that's something, I mean, a testament to what Davey Martinez has built. That's, it's a family atmosphere that they have, and it's something really special that you know will carry over into this 2020 season. Well, I can't wait to see it. It is going to be a little different without Gerardo Parra. I know that, you know, a lot of people... <laughs> Everybody loved him, and everybody loves the baby shark thing. Well, not everybody. Most people love the baby shark thing. But oh yeah, no, it was <laughs> it was awesome. It. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. And best of luck to him. I'm sure he's going to have a ton of fun. I feel like the the fans in Japan are going to absolutely love him too. But we yeah. will miss him here. And Dozier too, who was another guy with a big personality, who's not here anymore. But. It's going to definitely be a lot of fun to watch. Every year, you know, you have the funny things that happen. Like there was, what year was it they did the chocolate sauce? So I'm, I'm eager oh, to see right. yes. what the thing is this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Like you said, every year something different will happen, and it'll be something this year that we'll all love and, uh, and cherish. Yes, absolutely. So with that 
actual spring training talk, um, the big things people are talking about are obviously the fifth starter position, what's going to happen at third base. I mean, obviously, there's a big yawning hole now where Anthony Rendon used to be. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Are you hearing anything from the club, from the players? Does everybody seem kind of relaxed about the idea of um, of Cabrera being the third baseman or maybe Keyboom? Right, yeah. I. It's going to be talked about the entire spring training, right? And this is one of the biggest questions coming into to this season. Um, look, no matter, you can't replace an Anthony Rendon, and that's, that's something he's a special, special player. He's one of the best yep. in the game. So it's, um, and they, they know that, you know, they, they, when we see him in Anaheim, you know, he's going to be missed and not just who he was on the field. It's everything he did off of it and tremendous player, wonderful family guy, beautiful family. And, um, and so much he did for the community, for the Nats. I mean, he, he will be missed, but, um, it, so I think what goes into it, though, too, is being confident in the ball club that you have and supporting your teammates, and that's what they'll do. And I think the Nationals have done such a great job, as they always do, being aggressive in the offseason, re-signing players like Cabrera. Um, you, they've showed their confidence that they, they're giving Kibum an opportunity. And then you'll have some new faces. So it'll be interesting to see how it works. Um, how they'll maybe platoon the position, what they'll end up doing. But I think spring training will start to answer a lot of those questions and uh, and more will come out where they see, you know, how they like what they're seeing from Kibun. What has he done to progress? Um, Cabrera, who's a veteran in the game, we know that he's just comfortable playing any position around the infield, which that's huge for a ball club to have that type of versatility. So I think that will be big for them. And Right. I mean, and I think, too, from an offensive standpoint, I would say you're looking at Juan Soto. It's his third year in the big leagues. Last year I thought was incredible, or one of the things that stood out for me about him when he started the season, it was not the season that he wanted to start with, right? And then he went on the IL, he comes back, and literally the day he came back, he said, this is a fresh start for me, I'm starting over, and I'm, you're going to see a difference. And immediately different. Yeah, and he's we certainly did. His offense is there. Right. So I think, um, you know, even year three, he's going to be even better, which is crazy to think, you know, but his ceiling is so high. And that's when you talk to anybody around the league, they're um, just, or MLB Network, right? I mean, uh, the coach, different coaches on teams, different managers. I mean, everybody will so, circle Soto's name on a lineup. He's just that good. So It'll be, um, I think they're looking for him from an offensive standpoint where maybe he, and it's interesting shoes he's in because two years ago it was, will he be able to replace Bryce Harper? Now he'll be looked at, can he replace some of the production from Anthony Rendon? Yeah, it is going to definitely be interesting. He was, he had an amazing year. And I remember those stories partway through the year when he was struggling a bit of him, you know, working extra in the, in the batting cages with the coaching staff. And he just seems like such a dedicated kid. And he's obviously just a, a, an incredible talent. So I have incredibly high hopes for him this year. I cannot wait to see what he does. Now, he's really going to be the biggest bat in the lineup at this point. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like you said, he will be. And um, but that's what. How could you not be confident in Alon Soto, right? I mean, he's he's just a special player. There's not many that come around like him. And 
um, I'm excited to see what he does in year three. It's, I, I can't wait to watch him play this season. Me too. So are there any things about position battles or any kind of interesting storylines about spring training that you think other people are maybe not talking about so much? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at to the relievers for the Nationals, that's always a big story for the Nats year in, year out, right, is uh, looking at their bullpen. And this is something I think they went out, they put an emphasis on, I mean, especially to bring back Daniel Hudson. That was huge. His teammates love yeah. him. They call him a bulldog, right? He's just so aggressive on the mound. He goes after hitters. And um, so that was, I think, big, big for the Nats. Um, obviously, when you have Sean Doolittle leading the way there, right? And he's kind of the, the face of the bullpen. Um, and you like thinking that you have that two-headed monster in the back end of the bullpen in a Hudson and Doolittle. So I think that's really exciting for the Nats and a huge difference from right the year before. And I know that when they signed Will Harris, everybody was talking about the Game 7 home run that he gave up to Howie Kendrick. But you look at a Harris, and his ERA last year was under 2. And he's shown that he's one of the best relievers around the league. So I thought that was a huge signing. And I loved how he talked about it. Yeah, just huge signing for the Nats. And he talked about it straight on, right? That's the only Game 7 in World Series home run that I'm going to give up. And uh, so I think (laughs) players are really excited to to have him. And and that's what Doolittle said, too. We're really lucky to have him. And and hopefully people don't just focus on – Game seven, but um, no, there is. I I think that's something that where maybe in the past it was you could be worried going into the regular season. I think that's a point of strength for the Nationals, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's not been a point of strength going into spring training for a few years now, so it is exciting to have them um, to have gone out and addressed it in such an aggressive way. And, uh, you know, I also always like to point out to people when they talk about that home run to Howie, it was not a bad pitch. Howie just went and got it. (laughs) Not a bad pitch. really great point, Amanda. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. So um, you weren't in – so you were with the Nats for the first time last year, so you weren't here when Dusty was here. Is that right? Right? You know him? Have you you talked to him before? No, I've never had an opportunity. um, And everybody that talks about him, they just say – He's one of those guys that makes you feel so special, and he knows how, I mean, every player on a team, he knows how to make them feel really unique and important, and, you know, if a guy, if it's his birthday, they make sure he'll always be starting, you know, just certain things, whatever it is, but he's that type of manager, and um, I think what was really cool is from talking to reporters that did cover Dusty with the Nats, they said if anybody can change right the ship there in Houston, He's the type of manager that can, and just to set things right and get them back on track morally and have, it just changed the whole mindset of the organization, and I think that's huge. So I was really excited to hear that he's the manager in Houston, and um, that'll be a huge series in D.C. over um, the 4th of July weekend, and hopefully um, a lot of fans come out and, you know, give him, I mean, he, he brought winning, winning teams in D.C., right? So it's Hopefully he just gets a huge ovation and, and people are excited to see him. Oh, I think so. He was he was definitely, I mean, yeah. there are people who complained about things with him, but it's impossible not to like him. <laughs> He's just one of the most likable no managers I can think of. 
All right, well, wonderful. Had, well, had, I don't want to take up too. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, had you ever met him or? Uh, uh, passing once at FanFest, like a hello, but not, not really ever nice. had the opportunity to chat with him. But, um, no, he's, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of his. I think he's awesome. And I think you're right. He's a curious choice for Houston, given how analytics-driven that organization has been. And he's obviously a, an old-school kind of baseball guy. But right. I think you're right from a moral and um, temperament standpoint. I think he's going to maybe be just what the doctor ordered to try to right the ship there. And uh, yes. I just think it's interesting, again, for him to be down there with all the, you know, obviously things with the Nationals didn't end on the very best note with him. So, again, there's just a whole lot of layers of awkward going on. <laughs> I, I mean, it really is unbelievable. But I'll, West Palm Beach is so strange because these two organizations are right next to each other, and they don't ever, you really never cross paths unless when they play that first spring training game, which will be on Mass in uh, February 22nd. But that's oh, going to be one of the wait. few times. Yes, yeah, get your popcorn out. <laughs> But. That's interesting. So I haven't been there since they opened the new ballpark. So it, it, they really never kind of come into contact or talk to each other or have any interaction with each other? No, it's a huge, huge facility. And so even though um, they're kind of right there, and if you want to stand maybe on the top uh, level of the stadium, you would never see, or the park, you would never, that's the only way I guess you would see the Houston side, right? It's It's really interesting how everything is just um, totally split, and so they really don't interact much unless, um, I guess, unless they said, hey, you know, let's meet X spot after practice today, but yeah, there's no, you would not know the Nats facility is close to the Astros unless, I mean, unless you knew, or, or I guess what I'm saying is if you showed up just to see the Nationals, you would never think to see the Astros. It's really crazy <laughs> how it's just totally two opposite sides of it. It's a huge, huge complex down there. That's interesting. I haven't been there, but I, I guess I imagined it being more intertwined than that. So that's right. That no, no, they keep it pretty separate. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I know our fans are going to be excited to hear from you. And uh, so you did mention the 22nd is the first televised game on Masson. Is that right? Yes, thank you so much for having me on, and we hope you all tune in on February 22nd. They'll be playing the Astros and, and Dusty Baker. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. Well, you have a great evening. <laughs> Thanks again, and uh, we hope that you'll join us some more throughout the season. We'll, we'll keep in touch. Oh, thank you so much. I'd love to. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Alex. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, big thanks to Alex Chappell for joining Amanda and talking baseball. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, would love to get the chance to talk with her in the future. I'm sure we'll have her back on. It was a great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, but moving on uh, to some other news, more lighthearted news. The Nats released their promotional calendar, and it's always interesting to see no, I, the promotional calendar is like something you want to tune into when it's released at the start of every season, but especially coming off a of World Series, your your eyes are scrolling through week. all of them, all of them. So Ryan, why don't you take us through the dance giveaways? Yeah, so we got the first week of home games. 
probably may go to every single one of them because <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, opening day is the Champions Banner Revealed. Um, if you guys don't have your tickets yet, third-party sites are just as expensive as playoff games. It's probably going to be worth it. And then the Saturday game on 4-4, it's the player ring presentation and the giant replica trophy giveaway, I believe, um, if I'm reading mm-hmm. this blog correctly. On the 5th, um, it is Champions Day. They're going to do a day honoring all the champions in the area, which is pretty cool. They're going to have a nice little on-field ceremony for them. Uh, the six, it's Champions Beads, Blossoms, and Baseball, and SoftBank Group. A lot going on there. I think those are some pretty good Mardi Gras uh, Nationals World Series beads, which is pretty cool. On the seventh, we have our first of many pretty stacked bobblehead lineup. The bobbleheads are sick. They're sick. really good. Um, and it's a Davey Martinez World Series bob- bobblehead brought to you in part by Geico. You get Dave Martinez holding up the trophy. I was wondering which player was going to get it. For some reason, I didn't think the head coach. <laughs> and then closing out Champions Week is a champion cinch bag, which you will be allowed to bring into Nats Punk every single time it is bag compliant. And that is a loaded first week of the giveaways. And then yeah. like going through it, there's a lot of like just finishing off April, Jackie Robinson, Firework Friday. College Day, Pups in the Park, a radio lanyard, and then Military Appreciation Day. Yeah, it's wild. And, I mean, I'll, I'll just go – obviously, there's a ton. Uh, we're not going to go through every one of them. We don't have that kind of time. Uh, but just some more of the awesome bobbleheads we talked about. So June 3rd, Victor Robles bobblehead. It's sponsored by Delta Airlines, so I'm sure it's something along the lines of him stealing bases. So I'm sure that one would be pretty cool. Uh, an awesome one, uh, two days later, on June 5th, is Justice League Night featuring Trey Turner as the Flash bobblehead. I need I will that be there. like I need <laughs> oxygen. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, Pups in the Park, 619. Always a fan of that. 620, day after. Oh, wait, hold on. We're fo- whoa, 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 go ahead. Sorry, sorry. That 619 Pups in the Park, they did not think it through because it's Pups oh, in the Park and Fireworks Friday. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll quickly edit that. Yeah. Um, but 620, uh, day before Father's Day, for those of you looking for ideas, uh, Star Wars Day, but one solo bobblehead. It's going to be a I'm gonna very need, popular I'm gonna, day. I'm going to need that one too, folks. I'm going to need that one too, Bob. Uh, <laughs> but then July, 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 July. 710, Steven Strasberg bobblehead. Everyone needs that. Um, I don't know what The 4th of July day. games. Oh, 4th of July game, obviously. But 725, cat or day. I don't know if that's like pup in some part, but cats. I don't know. You like but, you get a shirt and like a couple other things. You can't bring the cats, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm a cat guy, so I liked it. <laughs> uh, 814, we got a stack day. Uh, Margaritaville night. I went to that last year. It was quite entertaining. Got a sweet t-shirt. Daniel Hudson Bobblehead Day. It's Radford University Day. And Fireworks Day. Friday. And Fireworks Friday. I mean, four and one. Great night to go. Um, but 828, the one I need the most, Marvel Superhero Night. They haven't announced what player it is. Last year, it was Zim Captain America, which was the probably the most popular bobblehead of the year. Uh, I'm going to need that one, too. I'm going <laughs> to need it. Um, and then September, uh, you got Roberto Clemente Day, Air Force Day couple of colleges um but rounding out the year 920 is ryan zimmerman bobblehead uh i mean 
I guess all odds are this is going to be Ryan Zimmerman's last year. Um, so that one's probably going to be an important game to go to, kind of an appreciation for Zim. Um, but 925 WWE, WWE Champions Fanny Pack. I'm going to need that too. I'm going to need it. <laughs> um, but I can, I've been disappointed by the Nats enough in my lifetime for multiple <laughs> lifetimes. And I was actually pleasantly surprised by this bobblehead list. Yeah. Or promotional list in general. I feel like there's a lot more prom- promotions than normal. Um, and like all of them are pretty sweet. Everyone loves the bobbleheads and they went big this year. Um, yeah, they I'm really a, did. It's like I'm seven a, or eight. Yeah, they went out and they're all like pretty cool theme too. I'm a big Firework Friday kind of guy. Um, I saw the Firework Friday when I was in Philly and theirs was like 30 minutes long. It's probably the most obnoxious firework show I've mm-hmm. ever seen in my life. But I love yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen one in Cleveland that was awesome too. Yeah, so like love me some Firework Friday. So I hope the Nats go big for them this year. And like there's I feel like there's something like every single week and they're mm-hmm. it's pretty smart. Like your attendance is gonna be out because you just won the World Series. So like screw it. Let's just get up even more because people come to the ballpark for these cool events and the Nats are going all out. And um I don't know. I'm pretty excited. I like all these. Yeah, it, it's also cool because like normally any given season the majority of promotions are going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it just makes sense. Those are the days you get more fans anyways. But there's so many this year that you'll get the weeknight ones too mm-hmm. um, because some fans like going to the weekday games because they're cheaper, you know, uh, at least ticket prices are. It's emptier. They, If you're like me, like <coughs> I am, was, still am, uh, like to sneak down <laughs> to better <laughs> seats, it's easier to do that on a weeknight. So, I mean – it's awesome that you can do that, but also get promotional stuff too, which is like just makes any kid's day and even grown up kids like we are. We get something when we walk in the ballpark, we automatically feel like the money we spent is validated because we got some cheap item, but it's awesome. So oh. I'm just going through and looking at this. Um, two nights that, you know, kind of caught my eye. Um, seven twenty four. It's the beer oh, stein. Beer stein. Night, I was looking for that. But yeah, it's the champions beer stein. So you get a World Series beer stein. I've gone to like all the beer stein games. They're pretty nice. And then also on the twenty sixth, it's Sesame Street Day. If I don't have a live action Elmo in front of me, cancel the entire day. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. You can be Big Bird. <laughs> um. But, yeah, some of the other ones we didn't mention and we're not going to dive into. I mean, you have all the college days. They're even doing Clemson University this year, which is just funny to me because usually it's just the Virginia (laughs) schools. But they're doing Clemson this year, so if you're a Clemson grad, congrats. Um, All the the universities, all the colleges, whatever. Um, They have yoga in the outfield. They have run the bases, catch. They have MLB Network tote day, which they usually do. They have... Uh, military days throughout the year. They have Innova stuff, Beltway Series. I mean, they have everything. They went all out. You need to go look up the we'll, – we'll tweet it from the Half Street High account, but you need to look at the promotional schedule because it is packed. So if you're trying to decide what day you want to go, I highly suggest you look at the um, not only the actual schedule but the promotional schedule to get some bang for your buck. Um, but moving on everybody's favorite portion of the show we're going to move on to twitter questions um i mean it seems like every week we're getting a ton which is just awesome um some repeat questions but no big deal no big deal uh first question <laughs> from at finch 
960. If the Commissioner's Trophy was renamed, what should we rename it to? The Pete Rose Trophy. <laughs> no, um, I don't know, like, some, like, pretty historic player or someone, like, for, you know, the olden days, that'd be pretty dope. Um, this is a good question. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm terrible at names. Yeah, I, I don't mean. Know. I don't know, Finch. I don't know. Because <laughs> you have the Hank Aaron Award. Um, they'll never do it after Barry Bonds, even though he's the greatest player of all time. Um, same thing with Pete Rose. So yeah, that one's tough. There's not one that jumps out, but like if you think about it, every trophy has a name. Football's the Lombardi Trophy. Basketball, I believe, is the Larry O'Brien Trophy. I hope I'm not butchering that. Stanley Cup is Lord Stanley's Cup. Like everyone has it. Um, so maybe because the fact that it's not, it doesn't have a name. That's why Rob Manfred thinks it's just a piece of metal. So you should probably name it, Rob. Do something. Um, I don't know. Jackie Robinson comes to mind, but I don't know. If, like, I feel like you should do someone who's won a lot of World Series. So that obviously takes me to the Yankees. But there's so many good players in the Yankees that they all kind of, like, blend together. So it, and one doesn't – I don't know. It's a good question. If you guys have any suggestions – uh, tweet at us, and we'll retweet some of the best ones. Um, sub question from Finch: Favorite appetizer at Chili's? Yes. <laughs> yeah, my answer was uh, that's easy. All of them. Triple dipper. Uh, oh, spinach yeah, was, uh, artichoke. Was, artichoke. How you say it? <laughs> I was just about to say the triple dipper is awesome because you get three apps for like ten bucks. Uh, the I was there the other day. No shocker there. I had the onion bloom petals, which are just like Ow. if you if you've ever been to um, Outback, you know the, the bloom and onion. It's like that, but it's just it's like in, it's like French fries. They're like individual petals. So think like an onion ring, but in French fry form. Super good. And you get like the sriracha mayo on the side. Oh, so good. Um, I would highly recommend that one. Ooh. <laughs> Next question from Miller Seth 2022. What's your expectations for Thames and expectations for Ben Bramer if we see him? Um, I can answer a question. We're not going to see the Ben guy. Like, nah, things not. are really terrible. But no, I mean, especially for Thames, like, he's going to do the same thing every single year. He's not going to hit for average, which is fine. Like, he's going to hit in the 240s, but his OPS is going to be around 850. And he'll probably hit 22 to 28 home runs this year. And then that's, which is perfectly okay, especially if your OPS is 850. Like, that's pretty good. And if you're hitting 25 home runs or so, again, that's pretty great. And I think we can see that around there. Um, depends how much playing time he gets split. I don't know how hard they want to go with Zim. But I feel like what he did last year, 244. Well, my prediction is 244. 24 home runs, 848 OPS. Yeah, that's some uh, – I think is what you would probably see um, because I think – well, I don't think I know. This is the first year they're approaching the season as Zim – with Zim as a platoon guy as opposed to the guy, you know, because even last year we had rotational pieces at first base, but it was Zim's job, you know. So – but now it's – at the very worst or best, however you want to put it, uh, it's a 50-50 split between Thames and 
Zim because it's not like Thames plays multiple positions like Howie did or uh, in previous years Daniel Murphy did or whatever. Like it, it's Thames at first base only, Zim at first base only. So you got to split them, and it's probably going to be about 50-50. So those numbers, the home runs might be a little bit down just because of plate appearances, but uh, the average and the uh, OPS should be probably around that. So I'm excited to see. I expect big things from him. The dude is a monster. The spring training pictures of him. Oh, man. Do not Tank. That guy. Tank. All right. Next question from at the Nats Fanatic. What are your realistic expectations for Keyboom? Is Robles the bar? If so, does he fall short or exceed those numbers? I think he'll exceed Robles' offensive production. Um, I think Robles is going to be an exceptional defensive outfielder, but kind of just be average offensively, which is completely okay because he plays center field. Um, but Keyboom, I feel like you know, he can probably hit like 255, 260, and then hit about 17 home runs or so with like 60-plus RBIs. If he does that this year and plays okay defense, which is his biggest issue because he seems he can't really feel the ground ball, I don't know. Dude makes a lot of errors. Now I feel like that's a pretty good season, like 15-plus home runs, 60-plus RBIs, considering he's going to be batting 7th or 8th. Hit like 250 and up. I feel like that's a pretty, pretty successful season out of him. The problem is I feel like with guys like Juan Soto, fans get this really, really unrealistic expectations for rookies, and I feel like they need to tone it back. Like, Juan Soto had the greatest rookie teenage season ever, and, like, guys aren't going to do that. So just be more realistic and expect more modest production from guys like Keyboom and the other prospects that the Nats are going to play. Right. And we've said it before, but even today I was trying to tell people on Twitter just to temper your expectations. I was speaking in terms of Robles, but it applies to Keyboom too. And I think Rizzo is doing a smart thing by not rushing him up. Juan Soto comes around one in a million and the Nats just got lucky. I mean, Ronald Cunha is kind of another example. The Nats could have had both. Well, Cunha was always a highly talented prospect. Soto wasn't. Yeah, I mean Soto was, like, but not, but like not from same. the jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I get what like you're saying. Wong, Wong came out of freaking nowhere, <laughs> right? Um, but Robles, Keyboom, just temper your expectations. They they have a lot of potential, but don't expect even remotely close to Juan Soto. Like Victor Robles last year, it wasn't the year breakout year we wanted or expected, but it was still a solid year, especially for his first full year in the bigs. It was fine. He had a four war season. He was fine. So I think Robles is an accurate bar uh, for what we could expect from Keeboom if he does stay up uh, for the majority of the year. Uh, just to refresh everyone, Robles last year, 17 home runs, 65 RBIs, 28 stolen bases. Oh, damn, I didn't even look at that. I realized he had 17 six. That's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, batting average, 255, OBP, 326. Oh, so awkward. <laughs> slugging, 419 for an OPS of 745. So, I mean, I think that is the bar. Like, that's a perfect comp. If we get that, if we get that at Keyboom, Ryan, I mean, Ryan, you're you're an absolute genius for predicting those numbers without even looking. I even look. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So if we if we get that from Keyboom, I'll I'll be happy, especially since he wasn't as highly touted as as Robles, you know. So I I think that's a good comp. So, Uh, but I also don't think Keyboom stays up for the majority of the season. So I don't know how much we're going to be talking about this. 
All right, next question at Nathan Britton. When does Monty get mic time? All right, next question at the Rally Mullet Nats fan. Have you been to Walters? I have not. I want to go to Walters. Um, whenever I go to places around Nats Park before, it's either the bullpen or I actually found this incredible Mexican restaurant that's right next to Circa. Um, I went there before the NLCS game and the World mm. Series game. Um, I also got brunch there a couple weekends ago. I love is, brunch. Oh, dude. Mexican brunch, a breakfast quesadilla. Oh, so freaking good. Um, highly recommend it. Can't remember the name, but it's next to Circa. But Walters is on my for, list. For mimosas. Love me a, love me a mimosa. <laughs> Almost as much as frozen strawberry margarita from Chile. No, no, no. No, uh, no I have not been to Walters either. Uh, but I, it's definitely on my list. They actually follow us on Twitter. Um, yeah, so uh, I definitely need to go. That's probably going to be the new spot because they, they shrunk bullpen. Bullpen's kind of I think like, it's like going to be completely gone now. Yeah, they talked about keeping it, but I think it is going to be completely gone. So we're, we're going to need a new spot, and I think we're going to have Walters, the first right of refusal, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Um, next question from at Seabiscuit underscore 62. Who are y'all looking most forward to – watching in spring training you know the easy answer here is kibum but i don't want to say kibum um so i'm gonna go with tanner rainey i think he is i like the x factor in the bullpen and i want to see if this man can actually throw more than one pitch that's a good pitch in a row like i want to see him develop and become a really really consistent reliable bullpen piece yeah i mean uh, from the Half Street High Twitter, I tweeted, like, what's one player you think is going to exceed expectations this year? Um, and Tanner Rainey was a, a popular answer. So I'm hoping that I, – I agree with that. I'm hoping it comes to fruition because the dude's stuff is absolutely filth. It's just the consistency and the control. That's what he really needs to work on. So hopefully with a full offseason off of being with the big league club and in the big league club's plans – um, we see that come to fruition. Uh, my pick is specifically Joe Ross, but in general, that fifth starter. Um, it's kind of a position that needs to be addressed, will be addressed, but also kind of doesn't really matter because our first four are as good as any four in all of the big leagues, you know? So the fifth starter is kind of on the back burner, but I'm interested to see because spring training's going to be that time where you figure out like who's going to get uh, at least the first opportunity to lock down that fifth starter. I've always liked Joe Ross. Some people say he profiles better as a reliever, which he might, but the Nats have used him as a starter, reliever, starter, reliever, starter, reliever, and haven't really let him develop in a role. So I'm hoping he just locks down that fifth starter and we actually get to see him as a starter, used as a starter and solely as a starter. Um, that's my hope. I don't know if it'll happen. But we'll just see. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most uh, in spring training. At Soto Season says, thoughts on Manfred and some of the comments players have made about how he's handled the Astro situation. Um, we kind of talked about this, but what play? Uh, we talked about Mike Trout a little bit, but what other players' comments have kind of caught your eye uh, about this? Justin Turner. Um, that was a good did, one. He did not hold back. Like, he completely went at him. Um really really respected that but also the fact that like it's like at first it was just like tommy fam and like guys like that making comments but now it is like 
it's the biggest names. More people game. are coming out. Exactly. The and they're all ignoring this whole no one speak about thing. Because, like, Manfred, Manfred's a coward. And, like, he's a yeah. complete idiot and he botched this. And all the players are coming out. And the fact that it's big names, like, even Rendon said something about it. Like, Howie Kendrick said something about it. All these guys are talking about it. And it's so great. Like, the big names who don't talk at all, the ones who are sounding off, that surprised me. Like, Mike Trout, Justin Turner, those dudes. Yeah. Uh, it's like the – obviously, this is the case in most facets of life. But the bigger the name to speak out, the people who feel, quote-unquote, beneath them – who feel like they might not be able to speak out are more inclined to speak out because someone above them spoke out, you know? So the fact that Mike Trout, Justin Turner, uh, I mean, there's plenty of Indians players. Well, I guess Mike Clevenger, I still think Trevor Bauer's on the Indians, but he's on the Reds. Um, Mike Clevenger, uh, all these people are speaking out on it. Then you see people like Tommy Pham and kind of those next tier down players speak out. And it's just like a trickle down effect. So it's awesome to see these players completely ignoring the, don't talk about it. Um, but to your other point, Rob Manfred isn't going to do anything. He can't do anything because you can't not punish the Astros players and then punish players for not for talking about the Astros. Like how he's already looking so poorly in the eyes of not only baseball but all of sports and all of people in general. So you can't make it even worse for yourself by punching players when you didn't punish the Astros. So. If there are any baseball players that listen to this, Ryan Harper, I mean, that's one, interviewed him. Uh, hopefully he listens. Um, speak freely and do not hold back. Like we saw Trey Turner kind of hold back today. Do not hold back because nothing will happen. You have truly free speech. We love it. We want to hear it. All right. Next question from at KL Comments. What should we expect when the Nats meet the Astros on 2-22, February 22nd? How much pressure is on the Astros with Dusty? And could it be for a more exciting spring training game? The spring training game is probably going to be very boring. Um, it's probably going to be all backups, I would assume, too. Yeah, especially since it's the first one. Um, some fans there may be making jokes. Like, we saw the guy who was banging a trash can while the Astros were taking BP and started chanting cheater. It's so like, fans may say stuff, but game-wise, no one big is going to play. It's the first one. It's going to be all backups uh, the interesting one is just going to be when the Astros come for 4th of July especially with Dusty in the mix so um, there will be fireworks yes it's it's going to be real interesting so as far as this game goes it'll probably be pretty boring yeah I mean I'm sure people will tune in um, if I'm free and not doing anything I'm sure I will too but I, I don't expect much from it it's a spring training game and the Nats and Astros realize like if we realize it those teams realize it too. So they're going to try to like dumb it down and not draw as not draw attention to it as much as possible. So I don't expect much from it. Uh, like I agree with Ryan fourth of July. It's going to be a lot better. Um, last question from at two Oh two sports guy. Who's the opening day third baseman. And should the team make the playoffs? We'll get in our head over ourselves there, but um, <laughs> who's the third baseman in the playoffs opening day. Um, I say Ascab. I think Hebron gets a little bit, uh, you know, manipulation with that time. Um, if the Nats make the playoffs, it'd be Kibum. I feel like once Kibum's up, it will be his job. He's going to play every single day. I really feel like they're going to manipulate him a little bit and hold him down for a while. 
Um, so I think Askab, which just breaks my heart, the guy's awful, uh, will be the uh, opening day of third baseman. Uh, false opening thir- day third baseman is Chris Bryant. <laughs> and then when the Nats uh, are gearing up for their next World Series run, they will trade Chris Bryant for Nolan Arenado, just like the Cubs are attempting to do. So regular season Chris Bryant, postseason Nolan Arenado. Book it. Boom. Boom. All right, Ron, you got anything else before we head out? No. Um, let's just let's get ready for baseball, man. And uh, who who knows what we're going to have to talk about next week because this story just I know. stop. <laughs> Refuses to quit. <laughs> um, story is a whack. <laughs> uh, so be sure to follow all of our eligible bachelors on Twitter, bachelor number one. Montgomery Davis Taylor has a way with words. Follow him in the Half Street High Heat blog at M Davis Taylor. Bachelor number two, OPT, Master of the Arts, creating content on the Half Street High Heat Twitter. And Bachelor number three, Ryan, the guy, DC Natchak, uh, mm-hmm. 6'4", and handsome mm-hmm. as can be. Cold uh, beer, uh, fat uh, huge NASCAR fan. <laughs> He's a NASCAR roadie now for all you uh, <laughs> southern folks, southern ladies. Uh, oh, and be sure to follow Amanda, too. I guess she's here sometimes as well. Um, but from, <laughs> Nick and <laughs> from Nick and Ryan, appreciate listening, and we'll see you guys later. Yeah. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you The early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.